0: My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get.
1: You're going to need a bigger boat. Okay.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Film Code. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Phoenix Cloudin. We are joined, of course, by your Season 3 co-breaking champion, one and only Brandon. How are you, sir?
0: Man, I am doing good, Phoenix. It is good to be back. Um, yeah, we um, we got an exciting film to talk about. Uh, I think last week, we discussed Nightmare Before Christmas, which, as of this recording, this that episode just dropped, I think, two days ago. Mm-hmm. So if you love Nightmare Before Christmas, pause this episode, go back over there. Go watch that episode, and then come back here and listen to this. How are you doing, Phoenix?
2: Superb, because today we are joined by another season one cold breaking champion. The LG is back in the building. Nathan Pig. Nathan, what is up, sir? How are you?
1: What's up, Phoenix and Brandon? Thanks for having me. Uh, It's good to be back, and excited to be doing this with you guys. It's like riding a bike. You know, you... uh, can be a while, but you never never lose that feeling of what you remember it being like. It's natural, so appreciate it's, being back.
0: It's just like OG Fortnite when it came back.
2: <laughs> and I will... I agree with that, except for the riding the bike part, because I still have to relearn it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are talking about a new... Well, not new. Sorry. <laughs> Scratch that. We are talking about a No, I can't call it a classic.
0: Uh (laughs) I'd say it's a... I'd I'd, I'd call it a classic.
2: Okay. uh, We're we're almost 20 years. 2007. We are talking about Superbad, starring Michael Cera, Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Early Emma Stone. This is crazy. Uh (laughs) So... We went back and we decided we were going to look at a few comedies uh, this this month. And uh, Superbad was top of the list. I had never seen it. Uh, Brandon, I think you're fairly familiar with this film. I don't know why I, I withheld on seeing this, but uh, just never got around to it. This movie in particular uh, has had a lot of, uh, what would you call it? Fanfare, I guess, surrounding it. It was very well received when it came out. It has been held up for years since. Um, Nathan, I'm curious if you have seen this before and what your thoughts on it originally were.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a biased statement to say that this is potentially the most recognizable comedy since the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Sure certainly there are other great ones out there, and everyone has their personal favorites. But I think this is probably the most beloved, the most recognizable, perhaps the most quoted. I mean, you will always see memes and pictures of the McLovin ID. That might be the most famous meme of this century, born out of a movie. Um, so I have seen this before I watched this back in college, and um, I will save my thoughts on that till when we actually dive into it. But um, certainly, certainly a beloved movie. And I can't think of many others. Maybe Step Brothers are, is the only one that could potentially take that throne. Superbad, definitely a household favorite for a lot of people. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm going to have to agree with Nathan there. Um, definitely Superbad is just it's just that like because of the McLovin meme, I think that is what really sent this movie to the pedestal it's at nowadays, um, with with how, with how many I guess you can call it meme culture. With how many memes are just produced nowadays that somehow remains up there, and it's crazy to me that just a film that came out twenty years ago is still being referenced and loved on and just worshipped nowadays
2: uh yes. i want to i want to point out uh, there's a couple of other names that i forgot to mention obviously uh seth rogan is in here bill hader and christoph mintz place who who plays uh Nick uh judd apatow is also a producer on this seth rogan is also an executive producer and writer on this movie so uh yeah so that we got the full breadth of the cast um all right, so Nathan, uh, why don't you kick us off with your non-spoiler thoughts? I don't know how many people haven't seen Superbad, but non-spoiler, what did you think of this movie?
1: Yeah, it's it's hilarious in chunks. Um, I've never I've never thought that it was consistently funny um, throughout the entire runtime. I think it does stray a little bit, and to me, comedies are so hard to rate, and if If you're going to sit down and you're going to watch a comedy and you're going to be like, if this makes me laugh and chuckle quite a bit, then it's going to be a four and a half stars. It's going to be five stars. That's tremendous. Happy for you. That's just not my personal way of doing things. Um, A comedy for me has to balance both the comedy along with the storyline. And by no means is Evan Goldberg, Seth Rogen going to sit down and be like, let's write this intense drama and let's sprinkle in some jokes. Of course, their number one goal was just to make people laugh and put together at least a cohesive story. Absolutely. But just with the way that, that I prefer to watch movies and, and my personal ranking system, I'm not going to give something five stars just because it made me laugh hard three or four times. And this movie does that. It's certainly funny. Um, it's rewatchable, of course, because of how funny it is. It's just the blend with the story. I think it strays quite a bit in the back half. Um, The jokes aren't nearly as funny as when we first start get going. So for me, this isn't like a, a blind hate fest on it or anything like that. And I'm certainly not expecting a comedic paired with dramatic masterpiece by any means. But I've just never rated movies highly that go complete all in comedy with little story. And this isn't that, but it's closer to that than a masterpiece for me personally
2: hey right, Brandon. What about you?
1: For me, for me, it, the, the I, I I want to take this
0: in three acts. Um, because this is honestly, I can I can say it's a three act movie. Because you start off with them trying to set up a plan, them trying to execute the plan, and how the plan the plan pays off. I'd say act one takes forever to get into gears, but um, that's. It doesn't really bring down my enjoyment of the film. Um, Acts two and three are freaking fantastic. Um, the scenarios that they get into because I'm not trying to talk about spoilers currently, but the scenarios they get into are just over the top and it's hilarious. And I think as far as a as a as a I guess you can call it early ish two thousands film, it 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 stands its test of time. Like it's it's ideal early 2000s. You, it's like, you have a subplot that's going on that appears to be in every single early 2000s film about where a character is about to leave another character and he doesn't want to tell that character what's happening. So it's, it's, it's as things go on, you're like, okay, it's the, the truth is eventually kind of come out. But, um, but yeah, no, just as far as the comedy goes, it's it, there's a lot of moments that where I'm like, I was just laughing my arse off. Hey. But like Nathan said, the, the comedy doesn't really put it up there as high as you would think. But yeah, no, just other than the pacing of the first act, I think I had a really fun time with this movie.
2: Okay. Um, well... I hate to be negative Nancy, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I firmly believe, firmly believe, uh, if I watched this movie in 2007, I would be over the moon with it. Like, I think that early time period of the early two thousands, I think we had a lot of movies that were like, you know, sort of like this, where it was like you know, gut busting humor, sort of like a off kilter adventure where you had like these really wacky, outlandish characters going through a, an outlandish, you know, adventure. Like we had the um the uh the Harold and Kumar types of movies at, at that particular point in time. So I feel like this would have stood out amongst them at that point in time. Um and I would be a big believer of it. I would probably swear by this movie. yeah entirely um watching it in 2023 uh i i would say that this is an aptly name movie because it is super bad it is really bad i mean wow uh, <laughs> i believe i texted brandon 15 minutes into watching this movie and i said i really hate this movie <laughs> like like genuinely hate it um because it wasn't a musical uh, number that's that's number one. But no, number two, like like it. There's so much about this that I was just unenamored with. Uh, comedy is is super subjective, right? Anybody like what makes one person laugh might not affect another person at all. Uh, for me, I think just the delay in time in which I saw it made a lot of these jokes stale. So I think that's what really hurt my enjoyment of it uh like i said if i had seen this in 2007 i might have been all on board like it might have been full throated gut-busting laughter uh just in in this particular instance seeing it so late i feel like it did not age well and that's that's really where where i was at with it
1: (laughs) yeah there also is a age gap between phoenix and brandon no i'm just kidding um (laughs) I mean, there is, I think, but I think uh, Phoenix, I, I think you're better than judging a movie 15 minutes in. I, I, you're better At than least,
2: that. I, but I finished it. So, so there we
1: go. <laughs> I think you're better than that. Um, but yeah, uh, we've talked quite a bit about comedy is subjective. Um, yeah. Hot, hot take. I've never really found Seth Rogen to be hilarious. I just haven't. I I do not despise the man. I don't despise the man. I don't anything. But um, Seth Rogen has made his living being a funny guy. And um, I I just have never found that personally funny. Again, you're going to hear us say it a million times. Comedy is subjective. And certain people find things hilarious. Other people don't. Other people don't. For me, men or women who are adults playing children, acting like children, can only take you so far. And to me, that's Will Ferrell and that's Seth Rogen. And it's like, hey, I'm an adult, but I'm going to act like a big, dumb kid. Or in Will Ferrell's case, I'm going to act like I'm a six-year-old, even though I'm 38. And it's like, I'm not saying that all Will Ferrell movies aren't funny. I'm not saying that all Seth Rogen movies aren't funny. But collectively, if we're looking at the whole, that's just not my style of comedy. I don't find that funny. And Seth Rogen doesn't act like a, a big idiot in this movie for the most part but he still is the writer so a lot of his influences a lot of what he finds funny is sprinkled throughout this entire script and actually not only is he the writer but this is based off of his own experience so this quite literally was based on seth rogan's experience as a senior in high school in vancouver hmm. in the late 1990s and i wonder if Um, I wonder if part of this, too, was the difference in time. This movie came out in 2007, 27 years after when um, Seth Rogen was in high school. So maybe there is an age difference there from, hey, we found this really funny. This is what we were used to back then. And I don't think this movie screams. I didn't get the impression that this movie screamed like, oh, this didn't age well, anything like that. But there's definitely a little bit of disconnect with the comedy, and again, I, I don't want to sit here and say this movie's not funny. It is. It's just collectively in its whole, not. And I think there could be some. I think Seth Rogen's the number one person you got to look at for that.
0: <laughs> I I I am in agreement here. I've just for me, I I also have never been really a fan of Seth Rogen's comedy. There have been maybe one or two projects where I'm like, okay, I love this. Um, and I, I think I've been vocal about it in the past, just Seth Rogen, um, just maybe it's just his, his drug humor or or something like that. Just something that hasn't really gotten me just like when he was in the Fablemans, he was fantastic. Um, I was like, geez, like this guy can do a serious role. Like what's happening here. Um, but I, I think in this role, I, when he was playing, playing the cop, it just, I, he, I think he did. A, I think he did really good here. Um, I think I think Seth Rogen and Bill Hader, um, their their on screen chemistry was fantastic, and I would love to see them back for um, a sequel. That would be not a sequel, but a, like a spin off of there were just a buddy cop movie. I don't know how I, I don't know how what it would do as current day Seth Rogen, but I feel like it'd be fun.
2: Yeah i would actually be down with that I like you're you 100 right i think bill Hader and seth rogan had a great chemistry uh throughout the movie and i were kind of the highlights of, of the movie for me um it's interesting too that you guys bring up like seth rogan's style of comedy it's it's very outlandish and, and out there and it seems like he wrote that for the three main characters but kept his character kind of muted at least as mute like it's toned down from those 3 which uh I don't know I don't know why he did that but yeah it, it worked out for those two characters I feel like they're very uh comedic their comedic timing works whereas I feel the main 3 is is a little all over the place I'll get into it once we once we break the seal but I do want to point out like this movie really kick started a lot of these guys' careers like this is one of Jonah Hill's first films this is one of the first times I think People saw Emma Stone in a in a uh, contemporary role. So, um, Christoph Christ, uh, Christopher uh, Menzies, uh, same for him. You know, so like, I think regardless of how you feel about this particular movie, like you can't argue that it was a good starting vehicle for a lot of for a lot of actors.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy to think. Like, speaking of Emma Stone getting her, I guess this being her breakout role, just. Who who would have thought ten years later she'd be winning an Oscar for La La Land,
2: and likely to win another one. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm excited to see her new film. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, so a little fun fact about this movie is, um, I, I guess we can use this as one of our YouTube shorts. Did you guys know that? Okay, so there's a lot of like rumor like spread around, I guess, the film world that Jonah Hill is an unpleasant person to. Be around, and I guess you can. I guess you, this kind of goes into it. Um, Jonah Hill didn't want Christopher Mintz-Plasse in the movie uh, when they were doing their on-screen. Uh, um, their they were doing their audition. The, the three of them were doing their on-screen audition, and Jonah Hill just looked irritated the entire time. And when Christopher walked out of the room, Jonah Hill was like, "I, I hate this guy. I hate, hate, hate this guy."
1: Yeah.
0: So I feel like that kind of resonates in the film. Because Jonah Hill seemed very irritated at the guy the entire movie.
2: It was very antagonistic towards him. I don't know if that, yeah, if that is true, that makes sense. And it did come through on screen, uh, I would say. Because, yeah, their, their relationship even by the end of the movie doesn't get to a warm, fuzzy place. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they're, they're still kind of contentious uh, towards the end. All right. So are we breaking the seal? And Nathan, did you have anything else you wanted to add? All right, let's do it. Spoiler alert!
1: Spoiler
2: I'm going to kick this off because uh, I'll just get the negatives out of the way. Um, the chemistry between our three leads. So you have Jonah Hill, Michael Cera, uh, Christopher Furman. And, yeah, like, it wasn't just a contentious relationship between uh, – Fogle and, and Seth that really kind of, you know, threw me off. It was, and this may be a generational thing. Like I said, if, if it was 2007, this probably wouldn't have bothered me as much. But watching it now, just the level of vulgarity, <laughs> uh, particularly from Jonah Hill, like I was just like, it felt gratuitous and unnecessary. Like to the point where you had, lines that were literally you know contraction, expletive, contraction, expletive. you know what I'm saying like where it was like okay, this might be too much and it felt very like we think this is funny, you know what I'm saying we think this is funny and and again, in that time it might have been, but so much of it on top of each other it just felt it felt like they were laying it on thick and, and in certain times it just didn't feel necessary. There's a movie that came out later that Seth Rogen did called uh, Good Boys, which I really loved, where there's was really young kids who were cursing a lot. And there's a particular scene in that movie where, like, a kid curses and you go, it's like, you didn't need to say that. Like, like there was just, like, so many instances where it's like, you could have just said a normal sentence without cursing, and it would have been fine. It, it might have even been funnier. So, like, in that, that instance, that's where much of the disconnect happened for me right off the bat in the first act is the, these guys could not get through a single sentence without being extremely vulgar.
0: yeah thats that's where the for me the Seth Rogen humor kind of bogs it down just like that entire segment it's like a two or three minute segment where um, I don't know if we're allowed to say it on here um, where he they do that like that flashback where he's a kid and he's just drawing all those different privates on his on his his art page and the kid finds it like there wasn't a need for that in the film
2: that was actually the funniest scene for me (laughs) really that was genuinely the funniest scene for me just because i was like it's such an out ridiculous thing to put in this story like why would you put that in there it was so random and so weird for that to be a story and i was like at some point i was waiting for him to be like i was just joking which i was just messing with you And like, no, like that was that he was being serious. Like that was his real childhood. I was like, that was hilarious. It's, it seems so random and so ridiculous, but that worked. I just wish everything else did, (laughs) but that was the funny scene to me. Like, again, comedy is very subjective.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just the, the entire first act just beyond that, just like, there's like the vulgar humor. It's just, I agree for the first act it just, they, they, it's just like Rogan just wrote up a ti- like a giant, huge list of, hey, what kind of sex jokes can we throw in here? And they just used it all in the first act.
1: <laughs> yeah. What I find, too, is that this is not generally how people act in high school. Mm-hmm. For as many movies and TV shows as we watch, I found that, one of the most exaggerated things when it comes to productions are how youth act. And of course, you know, we're creating this world where youth acts differently in this scenario for comedic value, of course. Um, But nobody acts like this in high school. They don't, at least that's not my experience. It's not my friend's experience. I don't think that's where I grew up. I don't think that's my situation. I know there are popular kids in school who are all about beer and drinking and partying. I get it, but I don't still, even those students never talk like this. Mm-hmm. And I get it. It's it's fictitious to move the plot along and create this world and create this story. I understand that, but this isn't how people act. And whenever you're creating a movie, regardless of its star wars or it's fast x or it's super bad like you need to create a world that is believable for your viewer no matter what the world is it can be something wildly wildly unrealistic like cowboys versus aliens it doesn't matter you set the rules of the old movie you're making and it still needs to be believable and it didn't take away from my enjoyment i wasn't sitting there and i'm like wow, nobody acts like this. I'm going to give this a bad rating. That that wasn't how it works. But as we talk through this and potentially where things went wrong and just our analysis of it, people don't talk like this. They just don't.
2: You know, and I went to a pretty, pretty raunchy, you know, public, public high school, public elementary school, where, like people said, pretty, you know, ridiculous and awful things. I would argue that we were more vulgar in my elementary school and in my middle school than we were in high school. Like, uh, I don't, that, that's just my experience. Like we said a lot of questionable things when we were really, really young and like maybe cause you, you mentioned that, you know, he went to, uh, this is based off of Seth's life in the nineties or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time, that's when, you know, I was a kid and maybe that's when he was in high school. So maybe that's what was being said when he was in high school. This is why I feel like it's very outdated is because if he's taking things from the 90s and joking about them in, you know, the mid to 2000s. Well, by the time we get to 2023, like this stuff is really like, like, is not the thing that you're going to hold up you know as an example so like for me it was just like yeah this stuff is just it's aged like milk in in my eyes is is not exactly the strongest uh comedic humor
0: well i mean if you don't look at it through a hey this is 2023 lens and you just you just look at it as a film that for its time Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean i agree like people don't say what they they said Mm -hmm. like Nobody says, oh, I'm a senior. They should be, I mean, these teachers should be down on their knees right now. Yeah. Nobody says that.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, it's some stuff where it's like, you could, yeah. It's just, and again, like, I think Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins, <laughs> Seth Rogen, I think Seth freaking Rogen has evolved as a writer, you know, obviously over time. Uh, I think, you know, the work he puts out now is definitely stronger. It's definitely better, um, you know, and that, that that's all that is. I think it just took evolution, him growing up, you know, and, and continuously working, getting better at his craft to where I think, you know, he, he's definitely a better writer now than I, than I would say he was then. And it shows.
1: So if we're all in agreement that People don't act like this. Maybe the comedy is there, but it's not great. Or in Phoenix's case, it's never there. We're all in agreement on that. Why does this have the legs that it does? And why has it lasted amongst the most popular comedy movies of this age bracket and of the last 15 years? Why has this survived as prominently as it has?
0: I'd say because it's it's such a fictional and unbelievable story that where you can't be like, oh, yeah, I've experienced this and this film is just here to make you laugh. And I think a lot of people focus on the comedy aspect of the film and it's not and I think it's less of certain lines that are said and more of things that happen in the movie. Just like when McLovin is scared to go into the grocery st- uh, the gas station. He goes in the gas station and Seth is scared. He has all these imaginary scenarios about when he goes into the, the grocery store to get alcohol. He chickens out. Um, and when Fogle goes in and he has that happen to him, you're like, wait a second. Did that really just happen? Did he really just get punched in the face and robbed? <laughs> like there's a lot of just un- unbelievable things that happen in this film where you're like, okay, I can suspend disbelief here for a second. Enjoy this movie.
2: Yeah, my argument would be that it is it is an enhanced fantasy. And I think everybody who really loves this movie really enjoys the escapism and the fantasy of it. It would be awesome, right? Like the, the awesomest thing that could probably happen to you is to go on a joyride with the police, right? You know what I'm saying? Have this awesome adventure where they let you shoot their guns. You get to do donuts in a parking lot with them. Like they they beat up the bully for you. Like, come on. Like, like, like that's an awesome fantasy. The other awesome fantasy is having Emma Stone want you. <laughs> like like freaking lootly like like you know what I'm saying like like that that's the dream so uh I think for me I think it's yeah I think it's the enhanced fantasy of it all like yeah this wouldn't this be awesome right to be the nerdy geeky kid in high school get to shoot guns with the cops get the potential of sleeping with one of the hottest chicks in in the planet and yeah yeah and, and having a ball like so for me, I get, I, I think that's why it's been it's been held up for so long. Is like just the fantasy of it, which which I I do concur is awesome.
0: And to be honest, I think I I honestly think without the fake ID with the name McLovin, I think this would have just been another film that came out in two thousand seven. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really what resonates nowadays. everyone's like because people are changing their gamer tags to McLovin. People have. People have like screen names as that people have the picture of McLovin and people are always like, huh, what is McLovin? They search it up. They see it's a movie. They go and watch
1: it. That's fair. Yeah. I just, I actually, Brandon, I, I don't quite agree with you on the take that this is so wildly unrealistic. We did talk about people don't talk like this. People don't act like this, but I actually think that it does have legs because, it's close enough to what people experience, but they never have. It's right. like um, similar to buying a luxury car, right? It's like mm-hmm. a luxury car is something everyone can do, but we not everyone maybe has the means for it, the funds, the ability, the whatever. But like if all of us really wanted to, we could go buy a Tesla. I don't think any of us are in life situation for that but we could right and we could fantasize about oh this would be sweet whipping around in my tesla and how cool it would make me and i feel like that's a very similar analogy to what exactly this is nobody talks like that in high school nobody has these um these parties certainly take place but it's not the amazing experience for the individual that takes place in this movie nobody does joy rides with the cops Maybe that's the wildly unrealistic part of it. But it's like, oh, man, I'm going to a party tonight. I'm underage. Oh, my God, this is going to be a movie. And it never is. Mm -hmm. It never is. And I think that's why it lives on is because so many people lived through this movie vicariously. And they were like, that's so like when we were in high school. But it really wasn't when they were in high school. It was the fantasy of what it could be. Or what they thought it was, but it never was. And that's why I think it lives on. It's because people were like, oh, that those guys are just like me. And it's like, no, they're not. And you didn't do that. But you think you did that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and I've seen a lot of like high school comedies. Uh kind of like a, a second favorite genre of mine. Uh and I've just I've seen I've seen a couple of aspects that are in this movie. And I've just seen them done better. Like the fantasy aspect, the 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 romantic aspect, uh, like you know, if you if you ask me, like I'm taking you know ten things I hate about you or she's all that, you know, saying those those fantasy type of high school stories, I take that over this one just because, you know, it may be unrealistic, but at the same time, you go, wouldn't it be cool, right? And I just don't feel like there's enough cool in this movie. Like the McLovin stuff with the cops. Great. Like that's probably the coolest. And if that were the center of this story, I might be higher on it. (laughs) Like, like, but uh, I just think everything else that surrounds it is not as strong. And like, in particularly this, this is kind of bad, but like I saw a better version of this movie four years ago, you know what I'm saying? So it's like ah uh, I wish I wish I could enjoy this in the way that that a lot of people did in 2007.
1: You brought up a good point. So many people compare this movie to Booksmart. Yeah. And I just I've never seen that. I've <laughs> never seen that comparison because what it's about high schoolers wanting to have one last fun time before they go to college. There's hundreds of movies like that. Mm -hmm. It's just that these were the two most popular ones. I mentioned earlier that comedy has to balance with with story and with what exactly is unfolding with your movie. If you want to watch a movie where it's just complete balls-to-the-wall humor, go watch Movie 43. Go watch Family Guy. Go watch something like that where the story isn't relevant. Those... The Family Guy is hilarious, but it fits the role it's trying to play. A movie, you still got to have somewhat of a story, and Book Smart does that. Book Smart has real stakes, it has real emotion, and Super Bad doesn't have that. And that's not the entire knock on the film, but it certainly could have used something like that. It certainly could have. So I've never seen the Book Smart comparison at all.
0: I mean, see, you know what's funny is it doesn't help that Beanie Feldstein, who plays Molly in Book Smart, is the younger sister of Jonah Hill. Wait, really? Yes.
2: Is wait, is is that like canon or what? No, that's what, that's
0: real. It it yeah, that it's real. Really? Yes.
2: Oh, okay. I will have to I have to revisit the movie then. I didn't know that. But that that okay. <laughs> uh Yeah. So I want to talk about a couple of scenes though. A couple of scenes that did stand out that were kind of funny. Uh <laughs> uh we mentioned the the joyride with the cops that, that one was cool uh i think for me like i said the the, the drawing of the penises is, is the funniest scene in, in the movie in my eyes um the other one is the end where uh or near the end where uh uh what is his name <laughs> when not my what is his name uh, when, uh, Which actor? Uh, Jonah Hill. When Jonah Hill. Seth. Yeah, sorry. When Seth is uh, confessing to to Emma Stone about you know how he feels and and all of that, and you know she tries to comfort him and she tries to be like, oh, you know, you know we're gonna be okay. And he he's so hammered that he like passes out and he leans. He leans in and knocks her, knocks her like hits her in the eye and knock, or busts her nose and everything. It is the single funniest line delivery I think I've ever heard Emma Stone give. It's like her her WTF is priceless. It is it is so good. It it it, it made me bust a gut. That was like one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Uh, there's another scene in the movie that is supposed to be funny, and again I think. If I'd seen it earlier, maybe I would have laughed. But seeing it now, I was just like, "Oh, this is so bad!" It's when uh, Seth is dancing at a party, and the girl who he's dancing with has, you know, her her flow happen, and on his leg and. Oh
0: my god! Yeah, everybody
2: <clears throat> kind of freaks out about it. Yeah, I was like, it's one of those things where it's like oh well, i wish i could love that like I, I wish like you know it was written for a specific time period and it just it does not work <laughs> like it, it doesn't
0: work see for me i mean i remember my first time watching that scene and he's like dude you got blood on your pants and then it shows i'm like wait a second i'm like no <laughs> no see yeah. i i had I, I thought that scene was pretty funny and I'm just like, I'm like, did they really put that in here?
2: Yeah. See, like, to me, that was just like, it reminded me of very immature kids in, in like middle school, whereas like, like where, we're, you know what I'm saying? Like we talked about Carrie not too long ago when, and how the girls reacted to, to Carrie when she got her period or whatever. And that was a very immature, irresponsible kind of behavior. And that's what this that's what this felt like. It felt like you know the the weird kid. It felt like the kids in middle school going, "Ew, ha, 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 yeah, ha, you got dirty." Like it's like, come on, dude. Like like it's like very imma- very immature, thirteen year old humor. Uh, like it's just yeah, I, I couldn't get with it. And then you had it wasn't just that you had grown people playing it, so it felt even more just like childish. I, I don't know. It uh, that was me. I, I I don't know. Maybe I don't know how you guys uh, Brandon, you liked it. Nathan, what did you think?
1: No, I I share the <laughs> same sentiment with you, Phoenix. You you nailed it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just a yeah. It was one of those scenes where I was like, uh, I, this this is the part where it really didn't age well. It it really didn't.
1: No, I'm with you.
2: Any other scenes stand out for you guys?
0: Uh, I, I I'll get to that in a second. I do want to bring out because I before I forget, there's a cameo in this film where I don't I don't know where his career peaked, but his his brother was certainly um all over the place at the time. Dave Franco had a two second cameo in this movie. That's that true. honestly shocked me. I was because he he's just it was one of those he's there and then he wasn't type of type of scenes where I'm like oh hey it's Dave Franco. And I'm like cool, I can't wait to see him more in the film and he never shows up.
2: No. <laughs> and, and yeah, his I wouldn't say his career is peaked. I think he's uh he's still going. Um he's been in a lot of good stuff, definitely. Um I don't know, I hope to see more from him, you know.
0: I definitely hope to see. I mean, I mean, we've seen a lot from Dave Franco nowadays. Um, I personally think he was great in um Disaster Artist with uh with James. That was a really fun film to watch. Um, I think from here Dave Franco's career in these types of movies kind of took off because he was um he was one of the main I guess druggies in Twenty One Jump Street, and then he was also in Twenty Two Jump Street and just. I think progressively his career just kind of went down that rabbit hole. I think James took a lot more of the the serious roles, and Dave took a lot of these comedic roles. Yeah,
2: he did a lot of uh, he did a couple of movies with uh, Jonah Hill and and in that sort of same ilk of of like uh, teen comedies and stuff like that. So yeah, the the Jump Street films. Uh, the Neighbors films, so yeah, things like that. Mm -hmm. It was cool to see him in here, but like yeah, like you said, it is literally a two-second cameo, and then he's gone. Yeah. But any other scenes stand out for you, Nathan?
1: No, no, you guys hit them all. I, I really just think the beginning of this movie is where it shines, and I liked what Brandon said about if McLovin wasn't the premiere highlight of this movie, I don't know if it would still live on.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think one last scene that really stands out to me is it's funny when um when uh when Officer Michaels and Slater crash the party.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: McLovin is just like he is he out of the three characters, he's the only character getting lucky. And the cops <laughs> have to crash it. And they're like,
2: McLovin, what are you doing, man? Yeah. I, I and, thought, that was funny. Yeah, that was funny.
0: <laughs> I, I thought it was so funny. Like, out of out of all the uh, out of all the characters that you're like, okay, maybe these guys will get lucky. Fogle ended up being the guy to, to to you know make it. I guess you can say make it to third base. But um, honestly, I as far as an ending goes, classic 2007 humor um, or early 2000s humor. Um, you have the resolve between the two characters about the whole side plot about, oh, hey, I'm going to college without you. I'm moving in with Fogle They resolved that, and they end up getting the
2: girl in the end. so Yeah, the ultimate escapist fantasy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, super yeah. nerdy guys getting the hot chick, and the, the guy who literally gave a girl a black eye, he's getting the hot chick too. Like, okay. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like you... even. You even had the cliche zoom out of the characters in the building.
2: Yeah. <laughs> very, very early 2000s. Uh, okay, so final ratings. Brandon, what are you giving Superbad?
0: I think my first viewing, I was teetering between three and a half and four, and I think I ended up with a four, and then I rewatched it the other day because it, it, this is – honestly, the if you sit down and watch it um, as far as just – if you can make it past the first act – it, it, it flies by for me. Um, so I think I'm saying with a solid four.
2: All right, Nathan, what about you?
1: Yeah, I'm in for a three and a half, three and a half out of five. Um, we've done a lot of time slandering this movie, but I think it's just easier to talk about with a comedy. It's like, what does the comedy do well? The, the comedy, that's what mm-hmm. it does well. <laughs> um, so I think it's just easier to talk about the negative aspects overall i don't hate this movie i don't think it's a bad movie by any means i just don't quite feel the same way as other people do about its stature when it comes to overall legacy comedies
2: okay um like i said i hate to be the negative nancy here but i'm going with two stars uh i was very unimpressed with this movie very unimpressed uh comedy is subjective we'll say it over and over um there were a few good funny moments like i said uh just not nearly enough and not nearly consistently uh i again i felt like if i saw this in 2007 i would love it it would i i would herald it to this day but so much time has passed and it's just not my kind of humor at all so like like i'm sure it's good for its time but it was its time, and I think it's time has passed. So that's two stars from me, three and a half from Nathan, four stars from Brandon. What did you guys think of Super Bad? Let us know on Twitter and Instagram at Film Copod. And we are gonna move on now to what's good. What's good, what's good, what's good. What's good?
0: Yeah, I just, I have not had time to sit down and watch much recently. Life has just been crazy, but um, you know, we did finally end the the Screen Actors Guild strike, so we can talk about newer projects finally. Woo. So um, I finally got to sit down and watch um the the Killer. I mean, it's only been out a week, but I uh I honestly enjoyed that film. It wasn't the greatest, mm. um. But it was it was pretty good. I think uh David Fincher as a direct on a directorial standpoint was great. The the cinematography, the direction, all that was fantastic. Michael Fassbender was great. But my issue with this film was the plot. Um I think the plot really bogs it down because it made it very cliche to like every other, hey, rogue agent story. But uh, so, I think I ended up with going with a three and a half because just there were a lot of great moments to the film, just really, really bogged down by the story.
1: Nathan, what about you? My girlfriend and I have been binge watching Fargo, the TV show on Hulu oh, nice. in preparation for the final season coming out next week. And um, we, just big time fans. Especially because of the cast. If you're unfamiliar, the T V show Fargo, ten episode seasons, four seasons, the fifth coming out next week. And each season is a completely new time period. So it's new characters, it's a new city sometimes, it's a completely new situation. So it's just it's almost like a miniseries. I think that's what the Emmys actually terms it as, is a miniseries. So you spend ten episodes with these characters. And then, boom, you're on a whole new set of characters. And there are so many A-listers in, um, in this show, even if they're just popping up for cameos. And we've been watching that. So we, we really adore it.
2: Nice. Uh, for me, uh, I signed up for a new uh, streaming service. Some of you may have heard of it called Mubi. Uh, movie does curated films from different parts of the world, um, and one movie that uh, came out this year that I really wanted to check out was this movie called Passages. Uh, I just heard about it, heard good things, decided to check it out. Stars Ben Wishaw. Uh, I love, I liked this movie. I thought it was really, really interesting. Uh, I like what it did. Uh, It has my most hated character of the year in it, however. (laughs) My most hated character of the year is in this movie. Uh, But I think style-wise, I thought it was very unique. It is a a queer cinema film uh, from France, I want to say. The beautiful thing about, about France queer cinema is I love their cinematography. I think no matter what it is... It's something about the way that they shoot these films that is just brilliantly lit and brilliantly showcases the humanity of these characters. So uh, I, I, I highly recommend it if you have movie or if you can catch it uh, somewhere on another streaming service. Uh, I would I would recommend that you check it out. So that's Passages from me, uh, Fargo from Nathan and The Killer. The Killer from Brandon. All right. And that is what's been good for us here at Film Code. And now it is officially that time. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Brandon, you had the code word this week. Please remind us what your code word was and all of your clues, please.
0: Yes, sir. Your code word was sick. Uh, your years were 1975 to 1985. Um, your supporting actor is a famous comedy actor predominantly in the late 70s and 90s. And this movie was the lead actress's first ever role where she then went to on star in many popular TV shows and an Oscar
2: nominated film. All right. Nathan, <laughs>
1: you get the glorious uh distinction of going shouldn't, first. I'm the guest, shouldn't you go first? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. well, I didn't I didn't have a whole lot here with this. I'm just going to rip uh close encounters of the third kind. Don't feel great about it. Um <laughs> I think Bob Balaban fits in your famous comedy person. He's not super famous, I guess, but um, definitely been in a lot of comedies. We'll go with Terry Gar for your actress selection there. Uh, I'm going to rip Close Encounters. Don't feel great about it. That's my selection today. All right. Phoenix? Uh,
2: yeah. So uh, I had a hell of a time looking for this. <laughs> uh, very, very hard clues, I would say. Uh, but this is the only thing I could find that kind of fit everything. The movies from. 1975 exactly um (laughs) your actress uh is susan sarandon who i I believe went on to get an oscar nomination for elma louise i want to say um and your supporting actor who's in a lot of comedies through the 70s and 90s i'm going with tim curry uh, he's listed as a lead actor but he's definitely a supporting actor in this movie So I uh, and sick is because eventually I do believe the the character does get sick and die so I am going with Rocky Horror Picture Show 1975
0: <laughs> the answer's locked in guys
2: locked in Rocky Horror and Close Encounters
0: alright um, <laughs> un- unfortunately you were both wrong
2: get out of here <laughs>
0: Your your film came out in nineteen eighty. Your supporting actor is Leslie Nielsen. And the first ever role for the lead actress, her name is Julie Haggerty. Uh she was in Marriage Story in oh, 2019. Yeah. Your film Comedy. being Airplane. Cause the the entire plane oh, gets man. sick off yeah. of the food poisoning. <laughs>
2: Fair nice. Good one. Nice. I've actually seen Airplane too. Uh, I, I, love that. <laughs> I love that
0: movie.
1: <laughs> it's a classic. Yes. A true classic.
0: Have you seen it, Nathan?
1: No, I haven't seen it yet. It's on nah, the list, though.
0: It's worth a watch. It's like an hour and a half.
2: Yeah. It's back when parodies were done really, really well. <laughs> like, really, really well. Leslie Nielsen. You know, if you put Leslie Nielsen in it, it's it's gonna be good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. We missed again. Brandon scores the extra two points. Congratulations. Very difficult code word. Uh, we will hold. Pretty you- easy. No, get out of here. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, guys. We are gonna get up out of here. Nathan, let everybody know where they can find you, sir.
1: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at NathanPig5, tweeting a bunch of movie and TV stuff as they come in. Uh, Give me a shout over there, and appreciate you listening. Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. And Brandon, where can everybody find you, sir?
0: You guys can find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C, ears over on Letterboxd and Twitter slash X. Go check out what I'm watching. And yeah, thank you guys again for listening.
2: And you guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one and on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudon. And as always, guys, please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at FilmCodePod. And we will see you guys next week. We are out of here. Peace.